Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well. Uh, baseball is making a turn right back into where it was in January of 2020, but you know what? We're just gonna we just gotta ride with it at this point because this is. I feel like we're kind of numb to this feeling at this point, where it's becoming more and more known that the entire league cheats. But uh, I guess we still gotta break it down, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're getting into the uh, sticky, the sticky sub- substance uh, saga again once again, because that's pretty much all that's been uh, tackling the headlines uh, over the past couple weeks uh, and pretty much the entire season. Uh, Yeah. It's so this week it's been the Josh Donaldson versus Garrett Cole controversy. I don't really know where that, uh, I forgot where that started. Well, it didn't necessarily start somewhere. It's sort of just, you know, Garrett Cole is one of the headliners in the, and the pitchers using the sticky stuff. We saw that non-answer in the media question this week, which we'll get into. But, you know, it's it's just Garrett Cole is one of the headliners versus Josh, Don- Josh Donaldson, who's, you know, said to have been releasing a video uh, regarding the pitchers that have been cheating. Uh, it's, it's, it's not anything particular between the two of them. It's just their roles in this whole scandal so far and the fact that they're going up against each other. Um, and I don't really think I expected Josh Donaldson to do anything against Cole. I mean, he is... He is past his prime, and he's had injury issues through the last uh, couple years while Garrett Cole is literally, you know, in his prime. Um, but that matchup was obviously interesting last night, and, uh, you know, both of them had some comments uh, this past week. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because I was kind of wondering where that was. But, I mean, I imagine there's going to be a lot more than Garrett Cole if a, if a hypothetical video comes out. Um, but, yeah. Cole yeah for those who don't know Cole uh you know had like a 200 rpm jump after joining the Astros and that's why people suspect uh external foreign substances being used um but uh yeah I mean uh yeah Donaldson has been kind of tackling the headlines I mean what what else has happened uh in the uh sticky substance saga Garrett Cole pitched last night for the Yankees. His RPM was was uh, pretty far down from the usual again. Uh, it wasn't as severe as his last start against the Tampa Bay Rays, and he still pitched very well. But um, his RP, I think his fastball RPM was down like seventy RPM from from the average for this year. Um, so that's obviously you know a sign that uh, that he had, that it had some sort of effect because I think we mentioned this, but um, the minor league, the minor league suspended four pitchers for ten games for using substances, and ever since then, uh, a lot of pitchers have seen some noticeable RPM drops. Trevor Bauer being one of them, 
obviously Garrett Cole being one of them. One of the funniest ones I saw, uh, the, the RPM on Corbin Burns' cutter was down like 200 RPM his last start. And uh, he, he went seven shutout innings with 13 strikeouts and no walks. Yeah, and that's a prelude to a, a later segment because it was against the Diamondbacks on the road. Yeah, which, Mickey uh, Mouse, Mickey Mouse, uh, low RPM win. Yeah. Um, to get into the specifics, uh, Garrett Cole on Wednesday night against the Twins, his four-seam fastball RPMs was down 52 RPM from his usual, uh, and his slider RPMs were down 80 from his uh, usual RPM. And I, I got to get that Corbin Burns start, which was on what, Monday or Tuesday? It was on or Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, there was there were like no games on Monday. Um, yeah, there was literally three games. Yeah, two nothing win. Uh, player breakdowns for Corbin Burns. Look at the cutter. Uh, like Corbin his, Burns cutter. I think. I think they're skewed at first, and then they, and then like the difference comes down a little bit. His cutter spin rate was down a hundred twelve, yeah. but that's still very significant. Okay, maybe it wasn't 200. I saw that MLB Network. Yeah, uh, they had like a graphic of like all the pitchers that have had significant spin rate drops. He was one of them. Josh Hader was also one of them, uh, but he, you know, luckily he relies more on velocity. Yeah, and it's it's weird um, seeing like you'll see stuff on social media after a game is finished, and then the numbers will be different on Savant when you check it out. Yep. from when you like saw a picture so i don't i i feel like it w- was closer to 200 rpm at one point but uh it's just like gone down for whatever like correctional reasons i, I don't i don't really know yeah I don't but know uh either. yeah on savant it has it down still over 100 rpm that's pretty significant it's not like spin rate is something that normally varies that much so yeah uh so, yeah, it, and we're probably going to see it, uh, you know, just wait. I mean, at one point, one MLB player like this will be enforced against, and then we'll really see uh, some changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think my my target date is the end of June because I want to see, like, the what the May spin rates look like versus what the June spin rates look like. I mean, is there, like, any sort of known correlation between weather and spin rate? And, like, does it does it spin more when, it, when it's warmer or colder? Or, like, do, is there any known data on that? I feel like it would spin uh, higher when it's warmer out because, like, you have a better grip on the ball anyway when it's warmer out, unless, unless you're, like, sweaty or something. Yeah. But, I mean, and maybe, also, maybe it's got to be, like, a medium, like a medium temperature-ish, like a yeah. lukewarm. Yeah. And, yeah. um like velocity since velocity goes up as it gets warmer. So that means also spin rate will correlate and go up. Yeah. Um, Um, I think we should talk about those comments that Gary Cole didn't have uh, in his press conference the other day. Actually. Yeah. I'll screen share it. Yeah. Cause it's hard to to explain. It's, it's hard to explain just what his, non-answer was and it's pretty hilarious to to look at but yeah uh he was asked about uh spider tack and he just yeah he gave the biggest uh non-answer all right uh here we go 
or gonna screen share it head over to the youtube channel if you want to watch it all right here we go i don't i don't know i i don't know if uh I don't know quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and uh, I've, Stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot, um, you know. And and I again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including you know teams. And so, if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have um, because. Ultimately, we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. So, yeah, that was, um, yeah. I'll be honest. I don't really know how I would have answered that question. Like, it is a yes or no question where the answer is clearly a yes. Um, and, like, at this point, there's no real way around lying about it because it is a very known thing. But he went very deep into, like, the... Like, well, you know, it's been, it, there are customs that are passed down. Like, this has been happening. But, like, you know, it's been, like he, he gave it a yes without giving it a yes. But, I mean, it, it, the answer is a no. And, like, there is really no secret. But he kind of gave it all away and left any, like, if there was any doubt before, it's gone after this press conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I actually want to point out is I hope that once uh, – if if uh, sticky substances end up being you know a thing of the past, I hope it doesn't get treated like steroids were, and that like it was sort of some evil thing to do. It's like no, this was kind of the era where this was being done, and now it's over. Like I, I feel like uh, I I hope it doesn't feel doesn't get like that where every single person who used to use a sticky substance gets like shamed, especially the ones yeah. who were doing the best while doing it. Like if we're, if 20 years from now, we're having this conversation with the hall of fame, like, like we're doing right now with steroids. Like I'm not for that at all. Like I've had enough of this, of this, you know, should players who did this, because let's not forget most of the time that this sticky stuff uh, revolution has been going on. Let's assume it started in 2018, just for, just for right now which I, that's very broad and we really don't know anything. But just for Garrett Cole's purposes, let's just say it started in 2018. Almost all that time, the league has been using juice balls anyway. So the hitters have had some sort of advantage with the pitchers having some sort of advantage. And it's only right now uh, in this day and age when the league, you know, dead into the baseball, which I still, by the way, I'm still very shook at the fact that Rob Manfred had the audacity to announce deadening the baseball, uh, even when he openly said he wasn't juicing them to begin with right like that doesn't make any sense and you know you now have the league batting averages you know down to historical lows like since the year of the pitcher um 
and now this is being looked at as like this serious like oh my god this is this is bad sort of thing once the once the hitters you know can't do their jobs by the way did you see what pete alonso had to say the other day uh no he said that um i thought this was interesting it's something that no one else has brought up he said that the league he thinks that the league would do this in accordance to like the the upcoming free agent class oh right yeah i did uh yeah i actually did see that which is like you know if there's a lot of pitchers coming off the market you know juice up the balls if there's a lot of hitters going on the market uh deaden it which like i think the only i'm just trying to think like Last offseason was there wasn't a ton of free agents, but the biggest one was a pitcher. But there was yep. only really one big pitcher free agent out there. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I feel like it would be really significant in terms of the uh, going into 2020, uh, the going into 2020 free agents because like that was the year. 2019 was the year of the juiced ball, um, and I guess. Technically, Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Um, and then and then Rendon. I mean, Rendon and uh, Strasburg got the exact same deal. And you didn't know that Strasburg was going to be a free agent because he had an it, he got through on an opt out. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't necessarily see the correlation off the top of my head, but there there might be a correlation. I'm not sure. And like. Yeah, 2021, uh, the free agent class going into the offseason after this year, it's mostly hitters. It's mostly at the shortstop position. Mm -hmm. uh, there's maybe one uh, good pitcher out there and by uh, Kevin Gossman, and we didn't even know he was going to be this yeah, good. Exactly. Like, going yeah. into the, yeah, like, the league wasn't thinking about it. And, I mean, like, I don't know necessarily if I want to bank on this, but I think there is very good reason – to believe that the league would want to do this so that teams don't have to pay players as much. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it by them. I wouldn't like I wouldn't doubt that motive, but I don't know if it's exactly what's going on. Yeah, I I don't really think that's going on particularly I mean, like, in, unless it's this particular like this particular year you could say. The past ones I couldn't really say. You know, I mean like the the CBA is I think, you know, like, I think everything's going to be resolved. I don't know if it's going to be resolved, but I think we're going to have a lot of answers um, next winter when the CBA happens. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but last time the CBA was up, like it, it took to the last day to get it done. Or, and if they didn't, there was going to be a strike. Uh, what like, year I was that? It was 2016 going into 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. Like I, I don't know. Like I, there, I would not be surprised that there's a strike to begin next season. I'm gonna be completely honest. Like, yeah, I think that's, that's a very real possibility, especially because like, I mean, there was no real known, uh, I don't know how to like disagreements. I guess between the league and the players, players association, uh, it's very public now, and it's been going on publicly for a year now because right around this time last year was when the labor negotiations were reaching like its lowest point because i remember it was june 15th i believe when rob manfred had that statement where he was like he was like well now i don't know if we're gonna play after like days after saying there's a hundred percent chance yeah weird yeah uh but yeah as you know the Pro whatever problems there are now are, are a lot more publicized and yeah i mean 
Major League Baseball is, I mean, unfortunately, I guess kind of due for a strike because it happened in 1981 and happened in 1994, and it hasn't happened for 28 years or uh, it'll or 27 years. So potentially, and every other every other of the four major sports have had has had a strike since then as well. Yeah, or I guess they call it lockouts, but yeah, it yeah all happened around 2011, 2012 time. And I mean, like this is, I think the public, the public notion is a lot is in a much different place than it was in '94. Like if you go back and look at footage from 1994 of like like I watched this, uh, oh, there was like footage of fans reacting to the strike, and it was all like complaints about the players and how they're so greedy and like they're already getting paid enough. And you know now you look at it and it's like oh, okay, the players have a very valid say here, and the owners are in the wrong. Like I think that's sort of the public view of this in most people's eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I think the world perception has changed a little bit. Very different. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we've seen the 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 owners tried to do this before. You know, they tried to they tried to lowball the players several times. You know, they tried they stalled so much on the on the labor negotiations to try to get us. You know, to try to get a forty game season out there. Like you remember this, Chris? The the players were going for like eighty games or something like that, and the league was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And they'd wait to make sure that, you know, enough time passed to where there was no way they could have played an 80-game season. Yeah, that's then, pretty know, much exactly what happened. Yeah, and you saw when, like, they they did the same thing in spring training where they were, like, you know, they were trying to delay the season uh, so that they wouldn't – so that they could, they could do a prorated salary again like they did. Oh, yeah. That was very much a thing. And then, of course, there was the Kevin Mather comments, which is a whole different – you know, that was its own thing that we discussed. Yeah, the – the delaying of spring training thing was the most ridiculous thing because every other major sport was uh was doing whatever with and mostly with partial crowds too. Yeah. It was so stupid. Um yeah, it was very transparent what they were trying to do. Uh but yeah. Uh, I guess yeah, that kind of rolls in. Yeah, we we went pretty in depth in depth there. Um do we yeah, want I mean, to I guess about... like to, I, just to bring it home, like the Garrett Cole comments, I think they they tell us what we that we already need to know, and it was just said by one of the faces of the because like you know if Trevor like Trevor Bauer speaks out all the time, so it's not really news when he speaks out against the whole thing. When Garrett Cole says something like that, it becomes news because he's the other face of it, and he's not as outspoken. Right. Yeah. He doesn't have a a weekly vlog that comes out talking about he doesn't, have a, he doesn't literally issues. have a shirt that says legalized pine tar and i know that pine tar is different pine tar isn't spider tack um but you know like i think i i feel a lot better about saying this now i said it last show but you know trevor bauer's role in this is very similar to barry bond's role in the steroid era right yeah like he's the guy who like you know barry bonds wasn't exactly calling out steroids but he was like all right well you know what like, if everyone's going to do this and they're going to get away with it, then why shouldn't I? And right. you know what? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put up a 1422 OPS. I'm going to become the greatest hitter the world has ever seen and will ever see for the rest of time. Uh, and no one's going to stop me until the league decides to do something about this. Yeah. And, yeah, they they didn't and start testing. They didn't start testing until 03 and punishment until 05. And I think, like, once – once bonds hit 73 it's like all right well we're, we might have to we might have to fix something here um yeah. but uh yeah i guess uh 
you know, we we prefaced we prefaced this segment a little bit with the talking about Corbin Burns going seven shutout innings with 13 strikeouts despite a significantly lower spin rate than uh, normal. But uh, he did it against the Diamondbacks when they were on the road. And the Diamondbacks, uh, so the last time the Diamondbacks won a game on the road was April 25th, which was uh, 11 episodes ago for us. And, you know, we're only twice weekly. It's not like we do this every day. Uh, 11 episodes in between Diamondbacks road wins. And uh, yeah, it, we, we got to talk about just how bad it's been. Yeah, uh, the Diamondbacks, they've lost, what, 20 straight road games? Uh, they've been statistically the one of the worst teams on both sides of the ball. Uh, they have the lowest uh, road F4 offensively uh, since May 4th, which is when they played their first of the 20 road games that they lost consecutively. They're the only team that's under one, uh, only one F, under one F4. Uh, in that time, they're slashing 223, 290, 341. Uh, that slugging percentage being by far the worst in the league. I'm pretty sure they would have the worst OPS as well. Uh, they have a 279 Wobo, which is the worst in the league. 75 weighted runs created plus, which is the second worst in the majors. Uh, and on the pitching side as well, they have the 28th highest FOR in the league with the, with the, same, the exact same 0.8 uh, as they do on offense. Uh, they have a 517 ERA, which is the second worst behind the Baltimore Orioles. They have one of the worst FIPS. They have one of the worst XFIPS. Uh, they have just about the worst everything. Uh, there is absolutely nothing going right for this team um, on the road. And also, um, out of the out of the 13 hitters that have at least 20 plate appearances on the road in these 20 games, there's only one that is above average, and it's Josh Rojas, who was one of my – how about that's earlier this season. He is an 841 OPS on these, in these road games. Uh, the next best is a 724 from Cattell Marte, who's only played in a few of those games. The next best from a regular player is uh, Eduardo Escobar with a 681. And at the same time, uh, there have been – how many pitchers? Out of all the pitchers that have thrown at least 10 innings, which is – you know, an inning every half game, I suppose. Uh, there have been six of said pitchers. The only one with a somewhat decent ERA is Caleb Smith with a 257. The next best is Matt Peacock with a 430, which isn't necessarily bad, but it's not really good either. Um, th- yeah. There's like, this is a perfect storm of just everything being bad with this team. Yeah. And it, like, and it seems to be really specifically a road issue because one one thing that pops out is, you know, Carson Kelly's had a very good year, very good year. But on the road since April or since May 4th, when this losing streak started uh, on the road, he has a 579 OPS. And this is from a guy who's having a very, very good season. Uh, but just on the road, it just seems to be different. Um, I'm wondering what their... Uh, what their home record is in the span too, uh, since their last road win. Cause uh, I feel like it might be around 500 or something like that. I it's probably something around there, I mean, probably not. It's probably less cause they've lost six of their last or they've lost 30 of their last 36. They're six and 30 in their last 36 games as a whole. Okay. So, all right. That's very, very bad. So since um, April 25th, 
they are, uh, I believe, so they are nine and nine and 32. So if you take out the road games, that's nine and 12 since their last road win they're at home still bad but yeah <laughs> it's it's rough it's been ugly uh here's here's one for you chris in these 20 road games they've had 157 plate appearances with the runners in scoring position they are slashing 110 192 221 413 for an 18 weighted runs created plus jeez they're hitting That's... 110 that's just about all. Yeah, they're 15 for, uh, yeah, they are 15 for 157. Well, I mean, I guess not 157, uh, however many at-bats they have. Yep. Uh, yeah, that is, that OPS is by far the worst in the league. Uh, the average is the worst in the league. The next worst is 140 by the Rockies. The weighted runs created plus is worse in the league. The next worst is 25 by the Pirates. That's... Uh, yeah, that that's... That's horrendous. <laughs> That's horrific. That is very, very bad. Like, yeah, if you're doing that as a team, never going to work. But, yeah, I feel like we we haven't really addressed this team yet, but they're on a historic bad run. Like, especially they were pretty, team. they were over 500 in April, too. Yeah, they, they started uh, 15 and 13. They were 15 and 13 as of. They were, uh, if this thing will go up, uh, yeah, they were 15 and 13 on May 2nd. Like, mm-hmm. they were, like, a decent, I think they were right up there with the Giants at this point in the year. And I was thinking, all right, maybe this Diamondbacks team could end up being a, a third-place team. And then it, they went in completely opp- opposite uh, directions. The Diamondbacks ISO with runners in scoring position is the exact same as their batting average. That's not supposed to happen. Oh my, yeah. That's not at all supposed to happen. Yeah, that's not good. I'm trying. I'm trying to see uh, where the Giants were on May second. Uh oh. Um, 17, seventeen Giants, and eleven. They were, they were good still. Yeah, yeah seventeen and eleven. They they were, were, they've always been very good. They were. Ahead. They also uh, the Diamondbacks also have a BABIP with runners in scoring position of one twenty one. That is by far the worst. They they're the worst in the league, pretty much at everything, offensively and defensively. Yeah, but it's uh yeah it's a thing where they've just been so bad and we've yet to acknowledge it. And we didn't ex- like. You could have had them as a fourth place team, but you you know I you did have ex- them as a fourth place. I mean, they still could be a fourth place team. The Rockies aren't too far behind. Yeah, or too like, far ahead rather. You didn't you didn't expect it to be this bad and I think I think injury does have a bit to do with that like Cattell Marte is their best position player, he's out mm-hmm. and Zach Allen is their best pitcher, he's out but still. It's I mean just... this time this time last year we were talking about them going to the NLCS. Yeah. Yeah, well uh, when the expanded playoff came out. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's when I was thinking NLCS with the uh, power staff of Madison Bumgarner, Luke Weaver, and and Zach Allen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zach Allen worked out. Yeah, one of the three. One of the three was able to do well. Uh, Madison Bumgarner has not been not been nearly the same as he was. 
The Diamondbacks have a five a five fifty six slugging against, uh, with runners in scoring position. That's the second worst in the majors. Wow. Yeah, five fifty six slugging is like that's gonna put you in in the MVP race mm-hmm. if you're a player. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so that's how just how bad the Diamondbacks have been yeah. doing. By the way, um, I just want to go back on something because that I noticed. Um, hang on. Okay, yeah, the the Houston Astros are like in this in this same sample since May fourth are by far the best hitting team on the road. Like it's not even close. They lead the entire quadruple slash line. They lead in woba. They lead in weighted runs created plus. They have the lowest strikeout rate. They're two wins above any any other team. Uh, their offensive runs above average is double the next best team. Like that is pretty insane for the team that you know gets heckled on the road more than anyone else. Yeah, it's pretty interest. It's pretty interesting how they've been able to to recover, and I think yeah, it, it might, if anything, like kind of redact the idea that anything might have been going on in like 2019, but still probably not. Yeah, I'm like yeah. Houston since May fourth on the road, uh, hitting three oh seven with a with an eight forty seven OPS. Like that's just that, that's pretty insane. Just a three oh seven yeah. casual three oh seven team batting average. Hmm. Uh yeah. But um anyway, we get into uh, the players to highlight for good and bad reasons. So, so to start for our June tenth, uh, twenty twenty one edition of. How about that? Who do you got for us today? Yeah, I got a I got a guy who, you know, he's been around the block, um, and he's been doing. He had a very good game last night, and I was actually gonna highlight him before his two home run game last night. Uh, and he gave me even more reason to do it. Ryan Zimmerman uh, has come back pretty strong for the Nationals. Last season was the first ever Nationals season that he missed. Uh, he opted out due to COVID reasons, was re-signed in like March or February. It was pretty late, I think. Um, and this season he is slashing 295, 327, 590 with a 918 OPS. You just mentioned a 556 slugging will put you in the MVP race. He's got a 590 slugging this year. Uh, and granted it's not in as many plate appearances. He's been he's had sort of a pinch hitter role at some points, but now he's made his way into the everyday lineup because I mean, he has to. And uh, he is one of 47 players in MLB history to have a 590 slugging percentage through 38 games to start a season in their age 36 season or older, minimum 100 plate appearances. Oh, yeah. So Ryan Zimmerman, oh, um, proving that he's not done yet. Yeah, he he's uh, having a having a comeback season for sure. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman, with uh, with my how about that? I'm going with uh, you know, kind of the opposite of Ryan Zimmerman, a, a young player up and coming who hasn't really made his name yet. Uh, but who's been having a pretty good, I would say, month last month? Uh, Jonathan India, he's a, I believe, a second baseman for the, for the Reds. Cincinnati Reds, and he was a, um, he was a first round draft pick, I believe. Yeah, fifth overall, fifth overall by the by the Reds, and 
In his last 23 games, he is hitting 310 with a 953 OPS, along with three stolen bases. And uh, he's really been getting it done uh, with uh, being able to get on base in general, you know, along with his hits. He's also uh, getting on via the walk, and he ranks, or his on base percentage is 432 in his last 23 games, and or in his last uh, 24 games, actually. It's 432, and that ranks uh, that ranks sixth in Major League Baseball in this span. And the men ahead of him are Carlos Correa, Yoan Moncada, Nick Castellanos, Aaron Judge, and Juan Soto. There we so, go. Uh, pretty good company, and he's also just ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in this span uh, in in terms of on base percentage. So uh, that is a uh, that is a good club to be in even if it's just, you know, a 24 game sample size, but he's been getting on base, uh, like, a, like a madman and, you know, could be, could be the future of the top of the Cincinnati Reds lineup. So, uh, definitely look out for him. Cause also, uh, he's one of the fastest players in baseball as well. His sprint speed is above like 90th percentile. So, just uh, just a guy to watch, you know, potentially at the top of the Reds lineup for years to come. So Jonathan India. How about that? Um, That's a good one. Go. By the way, uh, Washington Nationals, we can cross off the list. Yeah, there we go. We got 25 teams down now. I think it's 24 because I forgot to add the Phillies. All right. We still have to do the Angels. Uh, the Mets, the Yankees, the Athletics, the Phillies. So that's yeah, that is twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we've done. Oh, no, and the Padres. I'm sorry, the Padres too. We need six more. Yeah, We're most of the most of the teams we haven't done are actually like formidable teams. We've done most of the crappy teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that uh, does it for the. positivity on the players Uh, now we're going to get into players and subjects that have been underperforming so now uh our june 10th 2020 2021 edition of slightly alarming so uh who has been on your radar for bad reasons um i feel like this guy is just naturally on a lot of people's radars for not necessarily the right reasons but he, there was a little glimmer of hope in him last season, but he's kind of resorted back to the, the player that we all know and love, uh, Eric Hosmer. Mm. I mean, what 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 more do I need to say? We all know exactly. <laughs> we know we all know exactly what the deal is with Eric Hosmer, um, and it doesn't really need much explanation. But uh, I'll just say it: uh, he is notorious for just having the worst launch angle ever. Like he consistently has a sub-zero launch angle where he just punches the ball into the ground more consistently than anyone else. And here's the thing. It's actually not necessarily a bad thing to be that heavy of a ground ball hitter. Like it actually works for some guys. Eric Hosmer's a first baseman with 20th percentile sprint speed. Uh, if you're predominantly hitting ground balls, it's not going to work out very well for you. Um, and as I mentioned, his launch angle last season was a 13. Or no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was a... Uh, it's an 8.7, which is like significantly above where it usually is, but now it's resorted back to a two degree launch angle. Uh, his career launch angle is 3.1 degrees, which, I mean, you gotta you gotta raise that. You gotta see. You gotta be better than that. And since May 8th in particular, uh, it's been pretty bad. He is slashing 
207, 240, 272 for a 5.11 OPS, 45 weighted runs created plus, which ranks uh, third worst among all the qualified hitters with at least 90 plate appearances since that date. And naturally a 56.2% ground ball rate, uh, which is pretty high. So Eric Hosmer, he's, he's gone back to the old, the old traditions uh, that everyone wants him to break. All right, Eric Hosmer. Slightly alarming. Um, I was I was looking at him, uh, but I think in that span, his expected batting average is actually pretty high. It's actually but, good. Uh, um, his expected batting average is two seventy eight. Yeah, you're but right. Also, but also, but also, it's it kind of was a correction, probably in terms of like it's pretty evened out now. But uh, May May eighth, yeah, yeah, May eighth, his batting average is two oh seven. Expected seven. Ex, uh, expected batting average is two seventy. So it's been a yeah, bit of a difference. But I mean, but it's kind of been an evening out uh, of previous because he was probably getting pretty lucky beforehand. Uh, and the launch well, that, angle. But, like ground balls usually have more convenient expected batting averages than like fly balls. And like I mentioned, like ground, like you're you have a much better chance of beating out ground balls if you're not a first baseman with 20th percentile sprint speed. Like that's the issue here. Yeah, and uh, and the launch angle thing is like he he can kind of control that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Obviously, as it's gone from 2.1 to 8.7. One back of the to funniest two. things was um, Frank Fleming of Barstool like tweeted about like launch angle ruining the game, which is, I mean, you know how I feel about that. And Eric Hosmer, of all people, responded was like, "Preach, Frank." <laughs> like, dude, you have the lowest, you have the highest ground ball rate, like consistently in the majors. Like, maybe you should be paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> And it's yeah, and it's not working. It's yeah, not no. working for you. Yeah, his launch angle has gone from two point one to eight point seven back to two, and his ground ball rate, according to Baseball Savant, has gone from fifty six point eight percent to forty seven percent, backed up to fifty eight point nine percent. Yep. Uh, major He's league gone average. Back to the well. is, major league average is forty five point two percent. Yeah, this is uh this is an issue. Um but yeah, yeah, Eric Hosmer slightly alarming. Uh my slightly alarming. I I normally don't go with this kind of area for it, we don't necessarily go to this area for slightly alarming, but uh I couldn't really find much else. So I'm doing a relief pitcher for hmm. slightly alarming. Uh a guy who was a finalist for reliever of the year last year. Alex Colomay, uh, in his last 20 appearances, he has a 6.23 ERA and five home runs allowed in 17 innings pitched. And his ground ball rate is the uh, lowest it's been in the StatCast era. Funny we mentioned Eric Hosmer uh, with this <laughs> as, as to note that ha- having a low ground ball rate as a pitcher, not necessarily the best, uh, especially when you're giving up a good amount of line drives. Uh, his fly ball rate is the highest it's been, and his hard hit rate is the highest it's been. So as you would imagine, if your hard hit rate is the highest it's been and your fly ball rate is the highest it's been, uh, home runs are... You're going to have a bad time. Yeah, home runs are going to run rampant. 
it's different if you're giving up soft fly balls, but he's given up some hard fly balls, uh, Alex Colomay is. And uh, he already has allowed the most home runs he's allowed as a reliever in the first half of, of a season uh, in his career. So, you know, he's got about uh, a month left of the first half and he's already given up more home runs than he ever has in the first half as a reliever. You know, he had, he had one, uh, one year where he was a starter and he had a lot more innings, but uh, not counting that, but yeah, Alex Colomay, you know, we, we talked about him as a potential reason as to why the twins are, would be able to repeat success because they were able to land a good reliever and uh, get back Nelson Cruz. But uh, Alex, Alex Colomay has not been the same reliever and, it wasn't just last year where he was good. He was consistently good for a few years before that. But uh, this year so far, uh, looking slightly alarming. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, Chris, you say that, like, we don't usually go to the – we don't usually look at relief pitchers for slightly alarming. But, like, if you think about it, it's never really been more important to be a relief pitcher in this, like, than it is now. Right. Yeah. So, like, when, when guys like that are struggling, like, it can be detrimental to a team's success. And, you know, we've talked about the Twins before, and I don't think Alex Colomay is the sole reason for the Twins' collapse. But, I mean, he's definitely a, he's definitely in part to blame. Like, he blew the game on opening day. Uh, he's been pretty bad ever since then. Uh, and, there, like, there's valid reason to be putting him on slightly alarming, even if we don't look at relief pitchers that often. Yeah. I mean, we mostly don't look at them because – Every sample size is a pretty small sample size, but mm-hmm. it's been uh, it's been pretty rough. And his expected his expected statistics have actually been worse than his actual statistics, statistics which is uh, yeah. pretty crazy to imagine, given that he has an ERA over five on the year. But yeah, his expected ERA is in like the high sixes, which is uh, pretty 6. crazy 4, to consider. Yeah, it's the fourth percentile. Yeah, and uh, his. Yeah, in, in his last 20 appearances, one out of every 20 plate appearances has been a home run. Not the best. Uh, so, yeah, and, yeah, he's someone who is more of a pitch-to-contact guy. So if you're giving up home runs as a pitch-to-contact guy, that's terrible. Um, so maybe he will correct himself uh, as the season goes along. But uh, now we get into uh, talking about the future of – baseball in uh, the short future talking about the weekend ahead uh preview wise i usually go series by series daniel will go day by day but i haven't really thought about the uh upcoming upcoming series uh just yet i mean the mets and padres are rematching they just had a series in san diego and i guess a I guess an interesting matchup that you'll point out is on Friday, the fact that each of the 2018 Cy Youngs is going to be going against yep. each other. Uh, but yeah, you can expand more upon that. Um, yeah. I think all I got for, uh, for the audience is, is Mets Padres, maybe Red Sox, Blue Jays, you know, the, the Red Sox really need to recover whenever they face, whenever they face the Astros, it's mm-hmm. it's uh it hasn't been good this year for them. I think the Red um, Sox are getting Robbie Ray this weekend. Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah, that's true. That's gonna be a fun time. Um, yeah. So you go to Mets Padres. 
Yeah, Mets Padres, not a crazy, not any crazy great. Um, Seems like the Padres are facing a good team every single time. Yeah, they've had a. Like you could the... I, like have they faced the Diamondbacks and Rockies at all? <laughs> yeah, are they even on the schedule? Yeah, Padres. did they forget to add them? Um, they just, did they just put seventy games against the Dodgers? Yeah, I, I'm I'd be fine at... with that, but I mean, so since. Uh... Since May 24th for the Padres, it's been four games against the Brewers, three games against Houston, three games against Chicago, four games against the Mets, and then three more games against Chicago. And then they got the Mets this weekend. And then it's Colorado on the road. So there we go. They've earned it. Good for them. Yeah. But uh, what do you got day by day? Um, A lot of the matchups haven't been announced yet, but uh, I'll do my best I can. Uh, tonight you got Ian Anderson versus actually in two hours you got Ian Anderson versus Zach Wheeler. Um, if you know if that matchup is already done by the time you're listening, I'd say I guess Hyunjin Ryu versus Dallas Keuchel at eight ten. Uh, two very similar archetypes of pitchers going against each other. You know, soft throwing lefties. Um, that'll be interesting. I know Dallas Keuchel isn't exactly the guy he used to be uh, right now, but still, you know, give it a watch. Um. On Friday, you got the 2018 Cy Young winners, like Chris mentioned, Blake Snell versus Jacob Degrom. Uh, anytime Jacob Degrom is on, it's worth a watch. Like he's having, you could like he is on pace to having like the greatest pitching season the game has ever seen. Like that yeah. is a very real thing that could happen. Um, that'll be fun. Saturday, nothing is really announced yet, unfortunately. Um, uh, Corbin Burns will be going. You could watch him. Dylan Cease will be going. You could watch him. Um, maybe Johnny Cueto versus Joe Ross is interesting because I think Joe Ross has had like very weird home road splits where he's like he's like significantly better uh, at one of them. I don't remember which one. Let me look that up right now. But Joe Ross has a, a 480 ERA, so I mean he's not necessarily great, but he's pitching at home. And let me see what his home road splits look like this year because i remember at some point in the season it was like drastically different uh one of them yeah okay it's it's not what i expected actually uh 790 era at home 376 era on the road so don't watch that because johnny cueto is gonna win that start um (laughs) on saturday Uh, i guess that's what you got for saturday and sunday um again none of the matchups have really been uh announced logan gilbert got his first big league win his last time out i believe he'll be facing shane bieber on sunday um chris paddock versus marcus stroman paddock's paddock has been a little bit better this year um that's about all that i got i'd say yeah um yeah it's uh tough yeah it's tough because naturally you have naturally you have cardinals cubs on sunday night baseball because espn has no parity outside of like seven different teams yeah like I don't know. Luckily, I mean, luckily, Reds, the Red Sox and Yankees were both good this year. Or yeah, at both. least that's a that's like that's a valid matchup. But I mean, like, I don't know. I've said this before, but I think they should wait like a couple months in advance to do the the Sunday night matchups or like to schedule them. Yeah, I mean, like, why not put why not put Padres Mets? Like, those are two marketable teams that are that's a better matchup, I'd say, than. Uh, the Cubs and Cardinals. And then right. let's see. Then next week it's the next week it's Cardinals Braves. The Braves are under 500. The Cardinals have lost six of the last seven. Um, 
there's better matchups out there, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, White Sox-Astros, that's a good matchup. It's a really good matchup. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, because it's not like any of these teams have been over, like, have had too much uh, time on, uh, too much time on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get, like, if you're trying to market the game, why do the same seven teams every week? Why does it have to be, like, Red Sox, Yankees, Cardinals, Cubs, Phillies, Braves, Dodgers, Padres, Cardinals, Cubs, and that's it? That's their only vocabulary. Right. Yeah, or, like, Dodgers, Giants. Yeah. Which is good now, but wasn't for the past yeah. few years. Um, like they had, yeah. they had Giants-Dodgers as, like, opening night in 2020 with Darren Ruff hitting fourth in the lineup. I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, it was like, all right, we got Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer, and then uh, – Great matchup, yeah. And then, what, Kershaw versus Cueto or something? Or No, I they think. had Dustin May out there, yeah, I think. Dustin May. Yeah. Yeah, they they were like, yeah, we're not gonna throw our ace first thing against the Giants. Well, because um, did, didn't the Dodgers like face a better team in the second like round of matchup? There, like that's who we want to save them for. Pro- probably. I, I think they did something like that, but I could be wrong. I think they might have been facing the Astros right after that, if I'm not mistaken. They did. They did fit. Yeah, because they wanted to throw their guys against the Astros. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, that's uh, that's the end of the episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and want to watch want to watch that Garrett Cole non-answer or just the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Follow the uh, follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio. Uh, for all the show updates and uh, stat graphics, if you if you are interested in that, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you on Monday, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. We'll see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>